All right, Psalm 139, starting verse 13. The first, the first word is four, and that means that it really connects to the previous text. Um, where he's talking about uh, that basically there's, there's just nowhere that he can go um, or has been or will go where David is outside of the caring oversight of God. And here he chooses a really, really unique um, context to talk more about it, which is the womb uh, of his mother. All right, so that's what he's talking about here, starting in verse 13. It says, you formed, for you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. So this this secret place, the the depths of the earth, this is his poetic way of saying um, that not, not only have you uh, taken care of me at every step of my life that I'm aware of, even, even the very beginnings of my life, even before mom knew that she was pregnant with me, uh, you've been taking care of me. And not only, not only taking care of me, but, but why, why have you been taking care of me? Well, because I'm one of your, I'm one of your, I'm part of your creation. You have, you have like done this, like look at the words that he uses. Uh, he's saying that, that he has been formed. He's been knitted together. He's been made. He's one of God's works that he has intricately woven. That's part of why God is taking such good care of him is because God is like, I made you. I literally like, like, like I have intricately put you together. And David's takeaway from this, if you look again at verse 14, so I praise you, I am fearfully, wonderfully made. That word fearfully, it can mean uh, marvelously, stunningly. That's pretty big, right? Wonderful are your works, of which I am one of them. Let me make three, three statements that really come off of verse 14 I think are important. The first one is that God is not disappointed with how he made you. God's not disappointed with how he made you. Your, your personality, he's not disappointed with it. Your appearance, not disappointed. Your spiritual gifts, like the way that you have been naturally wired to reflect the creator in a way that strengthens the faith of other believers. He loves the way that you're gifted. Uh, The talents that you have, the abilities that you have, the strengths that you have, the weaknesses that you have, uh, all of those things, he does not look at you and be like, it didn't really turn out like I had hoped, you know? 
that he looks at you and says that you are fearfully, wonderfully, stunningly, perfectly made. He looks at you as a wonderful work. That's the first thing. Second thing is that we all carry forms of brokenness that has been caused by sin. Every single one of us, brokenness shows up in our lives in different ways. But, but it's a thing for all, for all of us. Um, and what this does is this causes all those things I just went through, all the things that he made you uh, to be, and all the things that are fearfully and wonderfully made, it, it infects all of those things. And it, uh, the way C.S. Lewis describes it is that uh, if those things were straight, uh, then, then what sin has done, it, he, sin has bent them just a little bit, you know. Like it's, it's what God created, but it has altered it just a little bit. Um, which is why sometimes our personalities need a little refinement. Amen? Right? Uh, that's why there are things about us that we're like, God, I wish I wasn't so, so this. And not necessarily in a way that looks at God and says, you made a mistake, but just more like, oh, there's just stuff about our own personalities where like, you reflect on a day and you're like, why did I react that way? Why did I handle that? Why did I, you know? So there's, that's what sin has done. It has taken that personality that's wonderfully made and it has, it's infected it a little bit. It's, it, sin has taken uh, things about our, like, when I say like physical appearance, like our physical bodies are broken. They just are. That's why we grow old, we get sick, and we die. Or, um, if, that's, and if that's not the story of your life, that's why people die at different points in their lives, is that we, just, we can't survive diseases and injuries and, and all these kind of various things because that fearfully, wonderfully made physical body of ours has been infected. And sin, when, like when those things surface, that's what it is. It's that brokenness. That's why our, our, um, sometimes our spiritual gifts, our talents, our abilities, our strengths, those things that were meant to bless others and like bring the kingdom near, they, we end up like twisting them into things that feed our own ego sometimes. Um, into things that become idolatry in a sense and we let our pride take over and all that. Um, even, even our weaknesses, we work really hard to not let people see them, don't we? That's what we're taught. Remember, some of you aren't old enough to remember this, but there was a, some deodorant company, I can't remember what it was, but their motto was, never let them see you sweat. Which, we can all appreciate that, you know? Uh, no one's denying that. But, but uh, what that's implying is, like, don't let, don't let people see your weaknesses. Don't let them see you nervous. Don't let them see, you know, like, so all those things. So God is not disappointed with how he has made you. At the same time, there is a brokenness that every single one of us carries. Um, the third thing uh, is that... Actually, I left out a really important part of that second one. Can I go back? That, because of that brokenness, that's why Jesus came. It's a pretty important part. How do I leave that out, right? Like, that is, that's why God came in person to take care of it. Our refinement, our healing, our salvation is because that fearfully, wonderfully made creation got infected with sin 
And Jesus came so that we wouldn't have to carry that brokenness for eternity. All right, now, third point. Is that God looks at you, <clears throat> and he, because he, he, his eternal nature means that he doesn't look at time in a linear sense, like he's not experiencing time moment by moment. He sees all of time at once. So when he looks at your life, he sees who you were and who you are and who you will be all at one time. Now, we're, we're limited, right? So all we know is, is the past and the present. God is also looking at your glorious future, not only on this earth, but on the new earth. And so he's seeing all of that at once. And so when he is championing us on and talking about the fearfully, wonderfully made creation, so he's showing this to David. David is realizing this, writing it down, passing it on to us. God is the, is the originator of that whole cycle of things. That is because he wants you to know, hey, I, I know who you were. I know who you are. I know who you're going to be. I'm looking at all of it at once. Uh, let, let me lead you. Let me do what the last verse says there in verse 16. Let me write down in my book every day, every single one of them that I've formed for you. All of them. Now, that is a quick run through those verses. And isn't that like really, really like encouraging and happy and just like, don't you like, yeah, let's, let's do that. Let's talk more about those things. And that would be very easy to do. Um, but in, in like preparing for this this week, I, I couldn't really get through it. Because I know that there's a part of every single one of us that like, is kind of like raising its hand a little bit. Be like, yeah, okay, that, that sounds great. But... But what about this thing that I went through? What about this thing that happened to me? I would, I, you have to put a term to it, so I'm going to use the term today. What about this wound that I have? What about this grouping of wounds that I have? What about the, the stuff that life has brought my way that has just hurt me? What about that? Like if... If God has so perfectly, intricately woven my life together and overseen all of my days and all those things are great, what about this day? You know, what about this season of my life? What about this factor? What about this source of pain? Uh, I, I don't think that I'm speaking to like one or two of us, you know. Because the world we live in, every one of us gets beat up. It just it, it's it has happened. It is happening, and it will happen. Let me let me kind of put let me put some put some subcategories to that woundedness to kind of get even more uh, in in your business. Um, three categories: nature, nurture, and then the overlap of the two. All right. So let's talk nature. By nature, I'm talking about things about you that are descriptors. So they're not defining. Like your, your identity is, def, is definitive about you. These are things that describe you that they weren't formed by your life. They're not a part of like the way your parents parented you or any of that kind of stuff. That's, that's in the nurture category. These are, 
These are just parts of how you were made and they have led to painful experiences. I'm talking about things like things about our physical body. That could be something that like maybe maybe there were you were we were born with something and the doctors were like, "Hey, we, to your parents, hey, we need to talk about this." Um it could be something that developed later later in your life. Um could be you were healthy for a bunch of years and then one day the doctor was like, hey, we saw something on this scan we need to talk about, you know. And we're all like still kind of shocked about Chadwick Boseman, right? Like those, those kinds of things. 43-year-old dies of colon cancer. Uh, like those, those kinds of things where um, that's like a physical, that physically is like a wound that you carry. Um, battles with infertility, battles with pregnancies that don't go to full term or you know, there's just, there's so many of those kind of things that are, that are physical, or or some things are mental, where you're there's there's something about the way that your brain is working that maybe uh, it like is less than ideal and it has caused pain for you, and sometimes that's in the like mental health camp, and sometimes there's there's other kinds of things, but there's there's just stuff that you were when you were born into this world, this came with you. Or this just came to you in a very natural kind of way. And all of them have made life harder and they've left wounds. Then there's the category of nurture. And this is more, uh, more about things that happen to you. Uh, it's not that you brought something to the table. It's that someone else brought something to the table. Um, Typically, you're, the first thing that comes to mind is, is the different kinds of abuse. Where someone who is in authority over you, or they were just physically bigger than you, or had some, some kind of, like, somehow they had some sort of power over you and they abused that power. And that leads to sexual abuse, physical abuse, um, emotional abuse. Uh, spiritual abuse is a thing. That someone abused their power toward you, and that was a part of how you were nurtured along, and uh, has left a lot of wounds there. A lot of that is connected to to family systems, but even even family systems that weren't necessarily abuse, like with a capital A, like those things I just named. Um, maybe it was more of a lowercase a kind of abuse where there was maybe neglect or abandonment or um, just unhealthy like family dynamics for a whole bunch of reasons um, that could have formed, uh, had all kind of different like issues that are going on within your family systems or um, just relational strife over the years that, that, that maybe it didn't have anything to do with your family. Maybe it was close friends that have abandoned you or uh, sold you out or uh, betrayed you somehow or have withheld forgiveness. You know, there's all kind of those kind of wounds that come from our relationships. Um, uh, churches, when I mentioned spiritual abuse, like that's such a prominent thing that is, is now like coming, coming out more and more and more as people realize that it's, it's safe to come forward and say, this happened to me and it should not have. Um, and all of those things that are more in the nurture category of like, it just has to do with, with people caring for you in a way that actually hurt you. It didn't help you. Um, 
And then you take those, those two categories, you take the things that you were born with, let's, let's say, and the things that happened to you as a part of your upbringing, and you overlap those circles, and it creates another kind of grouping of things, like these different systems that we're born into. And so it could be that, that race uh, has been a, a wounding thing for you. It could be that ethnicity is a wounding thing for you, which is different than race. Like race is a skin color driven thing uh, that's combined with power to form this whole deal. Um, uh, ethnicity is more about, it's more about the culture that you grew up in. It's, a, it's the, the common language that you share. It's uh, often religious in certain ways. And so that can be a source of pain and wounds for people as well. Um, maybe socioeconomically, maybe you were born into, into poverty and that created a, a world that was full of different wounding things. Or maybe you were born into wealth, which also creates wounds. Um, so maybe it was socioeconomic. Or maybe in that overlap, it was just some of the tragedies that come with uh, 7 billion broken people running around the planet hurting each other, you know? Um, just various tragedies and sources of pain that, that we go through. And so... Uh, Really, like you, you might not consider yourself to have been abused, and that honestly is like up for debate. But that's not for today. Um, but every one of us has been wounded. Like if you are living life, you have been hurt. It doesn't really; it bears no fruit to compare things. We fall into that trap sometimes of like, well, what I've been through is not nearly as bad as what someone else went through, or, or, or we try to like find a reason to, to, to like justify it somehow, and or kind of give someone a pass of like, well, they didn't really know this, and then, let's just put all that to the side and just say that uh, life has hurt you, and God did not create you to be hurt. He didn't. He didn't create you to be abused. He didn't create you to be neglected. He didn't, he didn't create you to, uh, to get sick and to die. He didn't create you to die at all. He, he wonderfully, perfectly made you. Sin came in and all these different forms of brokenness and has just like beat the tar out of us. And so that's why Jesus came. And so as wounded people, we have to, we have to like not just assume that a passage of scripture like this has a nice, neat little sermon that we can all kind of golf clap our way through and then go about our days because, uh, how, how does your belief about God and the experience of woundedness and stuff that you've carried, how do those fit together? They seem to contradict and for a lot of people, they do contradict. And so what happens is you kind of just nod your way through these kinds of things. And then you go uh, about your, your time and you, you don't draw closer to the Lord because your experience keeps you like distant from him. Because in that whole world, God becomes someone that is not trustworthy because of these experiences. And that's a whole big mess. And that might not be the like, most prominent thought in your life. But when we go through really difficult things or when we walk with other people through difficult things, it's hard to read a passage like this and wrap yourself up in it. So how, how does your belief about God and your painful experience, how do they fit together? 
Because there's a part of you, I know it, if you are in Christ, there's a part of you that, that really that believes that they do fit together. It's just hard to see and it's hard to feel. And so I want to I help us maybe move, move a little more deeply into like seeing how they fit together. So let's think of those two things. Let's think of each of them as a lens. You know, like, a, like if I had a, a big like car windshield up here. You know, like if we were a church that had lots of money and resources and interns and stuff who could like, like give, me an, give me two windshields, you know, and they were to roll one out in the middle of the sermon kind of thing. Um, it happens a lot. I told the early service, Ed Young Jr. built a whole basketball court on his, on the stage of his church in order to like have an illustration, like a one point of his sermon illustration. So we ain't, we ain't doing all that. So just pretend. Just use your imaginations for a second. Pretend there's a big like windshield. And so uh, a windshield, it's, it's, it's a lens, and it's through this lens, this like worldview, through this lens that you're trying to understand what happened to you. Through the woundedness from nature, from nurture, from the overlap, from something I may have said or something that you, you, under, you, you know what I'm saying. You're trying to figure out what, how, do I, how do I deconstruct this experience in such a way that God can still be good. And at the same time, this thing could have happened to me. You can, you can look at that through the lens of your experience, or you can look at that through the lens of, of God. So let's go with experience. Let's say that that's the windshield that we put in front of us. And you're trying to figure out, how do, I, how do these things fit together? The problem about looking through our experience is this. While all those things are important, your experiences and what you've been through, um, they, they're significant. But we have, to, we have to have our wits about us and say, even in all those things, they have left me with wounds. They have hurt me. Um, not just scars, but like open wounds still, even from things when you were a kid. And if we have our wits about us and we're looking through our experience, what that means is that that lens, all those wounds started smashing that windshield. So if I had a windshield and I would take a big sledgehammer to start hitting it, that your physical abuse, I would hit it. Your neglect, I would hit that. Cancer, I would hit it again. I would just keep hitting that windshield with all these different examples of all these things that we've gone through. And you smash that windshield and it's filled with millions of fractures. I'm like, okay, now look through that windshield and try to tell me what's on the other side of it. That's what woundedness does, is it distorts it, the very thing that we're trying to deconstruct and understand. We can't look through our experience. And one of the things, especially with abuse, you know, we have uh, Mending the Soul, this, this uh, small group uh, that focuses on trauma and, uh, ab- and it's really a, an abuse thing. Um, and like I said earlier, most people, most people don't think that they were abused and you start to study it and you're like, ah, oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, so I would encourage, encourage everyone to consider being a part of this thing. It is, it is fantastic. And we're, we have one for men that's in the works too. So you guys aren't getting off the hook. Um, one of the things that, that we know from abuse, from all the really smart people who study this, is that abuse, when someone has abused their power, a part of what you come away with, and listen, this is very important, uh, a part of what you come away with is you're dealing with their sin And you're asking yourself, what does it say about me that that happened? And so as you come away with this, 
you have the weight of their sin. You have the, sh- the self-shame that you have put on yourself. Or what does it say about me? And so as you're looking through that shattered lens of experience at that, ha- what happened, it is completely distorted. So you're looking through there. You, ha- you don't know, you can't look at yourself accurately. You can't look at God accurately. You can't look at the person that did that to you accurately. None of those things are accurate because it's completely been distorted by your experience. And one reason why it has such deep theological implications is that when you're looking at yourself and it's distorted, you as someone who bears the image of God is therefore also projecting an incorrect image of God onto God. And so the, 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 the depths to which this is painful is incredible. But the, the links to which this goes and lies to us, it, it's the worst lens. Let's just put it that way. We cannot interpret our lives through the lens of our experience. It's too broken. It lies to us too much. It's too subjective. It's just, it's, it's just wrong. And yet, that's the whole way that we're trained in our world to look at stuff. That's why our world looks the way that it does. It's because you got a planet full of people running around trying to interpret their own experiences and their own lives through their experiences, and it's just one distortion after another, and we're literally the blind leading the blind, and Jesus says they all fall in the hole, right? That's what he says. So, um, if you're not convinced that it's a terrible way to look at your life, then come talk to me afterwards. I'll give you more examples. So let's, uh, let's pretend that we had the smashed up windshield, but then the, uh, the roadies come out, they take the old one, they bring in the new, the new one, and we say, now this is the God windshield. What, is the God, what does the God lens tell us? One thing to know about the God lens is that you, you can't smash it. Like it's, God is the same yesterday, today, forever. And so no matter what is happening, no matter what you were to hit with, hit the windshield with, that lens with, it's not, it's not going to impact it. It's not going to change it. And so what that means is that even in the midst of all our wounding experiences, God is, is consistent. And so as we're trying to look at it, we're able to see accurately what is true what is real, what, um, what God looks like, what, what we look like, and what our, what our abuse looks like, what our pain looks like, what our wounds look like. Nature, nurture, the overlap, all of it, we're able to look through this crystal clear lens. And then we're at least working, working with what's really happening Instead of this smashed up version of it where we're really just guessing. Wouldn't you rather be in touch with what's real and true than a bunch of lies? So experience has to be viewed and interpreted through the God lens. All of the things that are going on in our lives. Um, so... Let me go through those three points again. As a wounded person, on behalf of the wounded people in the room, which is 100% of us. Let me go through those, those main points from that text. Looking through the God lens, what does that look like?
First one, God is not disappointed with how he made you. Still. Even for the wounded person, God is not disappointed with how he made you. Your, your wounds have lied to you. Let God tell you the truth. That you too have been formed, knitted together, um, handmade. You are one of his wonderful works that he has intricately woven. Yes, even, even you. That that is true for you. He doesn't look at you and shake his head and say, well, that one really, really, really didn't turn out like I'd hoped. Better luck, with the, better luck with the next one. God is not disappointed with how he made you. That's what you look like through the God lens. The second thing, that there's a, there is a brokenness that we all carry. So you're looking through the lens of God. You're looking through your beliefs about him, your theological beliefs, and you look at what happened to you. And there is, there is a baseline explanation that every, every wound from nature and nurture and all those overlapping systems, every one of those things finds its origin in the same place in the brokenness that people bring to the table. The reason, the reason that happened to you is because that person is broken. The reason you did that thing is because you are broken. The reason why this situation happened at its base is because there is a brokenness that is there. And that's why God came in person to deliver you from the woundedness that those things have brought upon you. He didn't contract it out. He didn't just give you a list of steps to take. He says, no, I'm going to handle this one myself. He came in the form of a servant to come in to serve his sons and their wounds and his daughters and their wounds. And when you look through the God lens, it doesn't make everything okay. It doesn't give anyone a pass. But it does help you see accurately this is what broken people do to each other. And this is the beautiful Savior that has come so that we don't have to sit in that brokenness for eternity. And that doesn't just happen when we like die and go to heaven. It happens now. The last thing, God sees who you are and who you will be at the same time. Very much true. That God's, God knows what has happened to you, all the things that have happened to you. He knows how that's affecting you right now. He also like, knows what a healed version of you looks like. You may not be able to imagine it. Some of you are probably carrying pain that, that, literally, that has you, there's just no hope that you will ever be uh, what you would consider to be a healthy, healed person. And that makes Jesus weep, I believe, because no, I I died so that, that could be possible. I died to bring you to bring you into that little by little by little. If you could see what I could see, oh man! And then one one more thing as I as I close. Verse 16, he says, in your book are written every one of them, the days that were formed for me. Um, 
That's a hard. That's a hard one, especially especially for uh, people who have been through really hard to understand things. Um, and I think it's. But I just think it's important for it to be said that Jesus has been keeping you, watching over you, and tending to you. Even even on that day when that thing happened, uh, even during that season of life where that stuff was going on, um, and that I understand that that's a hard. It, there's just, this is a hard truth, and you hear that sometimes when people will say, "Well, where was God when this was happening?" And the answer is right there in the middle of it, hundred percent of Him. And you would think that that would be, uh, like, that that would have a, the kind of effect where that would make you want to push away. And for some, for some it does. But I, I didn't, I didn't plan on saying this in the early service and, or this one either, but, uh, when you, when you talk to counselors and to pastors and the people who, who have the privilege of sitting with people in their, on their worst days, you know, and, uh, in some of the like, in some of the depths of this stuff, one thing that you hear like more consistently than you would think is what a blessing it is for people to have that revelation that God was with them in the in the worst moments. Uh, the this is the part I wasn't planning to say, but I'll say it again because. So uh, you guys like country music, right? Um, sure. Uh, John Michael Montgomery has a song called The Little Girl. You might know this one. I didn't really know it either. Uh, and it's a, it's a really sad song. Like it really makes, it's one of the songs I'm like, how did this make the cut in your album, you know? Uh, but it describes this little girl who grew up in an abusive home and uh, her parents would get drunk and fight and then one night it led to both of their deaths. Uh, while she was there and the little girl goes and lives with a new family who starts taking her to church and uh <laughs> dang it um so the little girl is in sunday school she sees a picture on the wall of jesus on the cross and she says uh i don't know who that man is but but he he doesn't stay up there he gets down from there uh, he says, I know because he, he, hid, he hid with me behind the couch the night that my parents died. And at first I'm like, man, that's a, I mean, that's a well-crafted song that makes grown me emotional. But that sentiment, I know people who have recounted that exact, almost exact story of this revelation of like in this, in some of the worst moments of my life, I it was like there was someone with me holding my hand with his arm around me, like hiding in the closet while this was with me, while this was happening or in the midst of these kinds of things. And you would think that would make you push away from God, but for some reason it just makes you love him so much more. And so every one of your days, he has been with you. Um, and I know that probably brings up questions, but I hope at the same time it's countered with a, with an assurance 
that those things are not lost on him. What you have gone through is not lost on him. And if you, and if you really think about it, let's pull all this, all this together and you think about Jesus in this situation as well. Jesus has suffered firsthand. He has had to, he has had to understand his experience of the cross by choosing to look through a lens. He could look through the lens of his experience, which would be saying like certain things to him at the moment, but he looked through the God lens and that's why he was able to say those things on the cross. That's why he was able to, rem- to remain silent as they went through and they tortured him. That's why he was able to be himself. That Jesus is not a, he's not a God who's sitting there and he's like, ah, I can't really, I'm not really tracking with you on this whole thing. I don't see why it's such a big deal. He's like, no, I get it. I've had to do it, and I was with you in yours. So, so how about we? How about we under, seek understanding together that your experience and your beliefs about God they they can fit together. That He wants to walk us down the path of righteousness in terms of healing and our restoration. So, David in the verse fourteen, he he says. Uh, about being fearfully and wonderfully made, he says, my soul knows this very well. And that's what I'd like, really just like to invite you into, especially, especially if you're like really struggle with those verses making sense with, because of your experience, to just ask God to help, those, help your soul to know those things, to know that those things apply to you and those are yours. So I'm sure none of you expected to hear a sermon about abuse today. Uh, that's fine. I didn't really know it was going to go that direction either until it did. But I believe that I think God just lines these things up and he brings the right people to hear them. And so uh, maybe it was the first part that was for you. Maybe it was kind of the second part. I don't really know. Uh, but I know that God wants every one of us to be able to read these verses and see these as ours. And not find ourselves to be exceptions. So I'm going to pray. And we're going to sing, kind of sing our way through this a little bit. Uh, so whatever's stirring on with you, maybe we can channel that into singing together before we uh, dismiss and go back into our, uh, our week. So let me pray for us. Uh, let's stand together as the band comes back up. Lord, when I think about you, you being with me in the dark moments of life, when I think about the people that I know and some of the things they have gone through, when I think about you and you hiding behind the couch with all of us in all these different situations where life is just crashing down. It's really quite stunning. And when I think about you on the cross, going through it yourself, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a lot. But I know that there are people in this room uh, who, who, really, who really want their beliefs about you and their experience to, to fit together. It just may be difficult. 
And so I pray that this passage has been helpful and that these songs and just being together and to just recognize that we're, we're a room full of wounded sons and wounded daughters. But we are not left without hope. And so we thank you for that. And so as we sing and as we just kind of process this a little bit before we go, I read these verses over us. God, may our, may our souls really just grab onto this and know it, even if it's just to one degree, more than we walked in. You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them.